You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Welcome to the 42 cast, your ultimate answer to fandom, geekiness, and everything. As always, I am your host, Nathan, and we have another great episode lined up for you where we're going to talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. But before we do that, let's meet our cast for this week. So starting off, she has ended up being like our Marvel maven, and that is Angie. Angie, how are you doing this week? I'm I'm doing well. Happy summertime. Well, good. <laughs> um, so uh, I hate that we're videoing these now. I get distracted by. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So for those who don't know, we we didn't used to share video with each other on the show because I'm like, it's an it's an audio podcast. It's not going on YouTube or anything. So why have the visuals? But then uh, from what. So some other podcasts that I know and that I've guested on, they were sharing a video and they talked about the fact that, yeah, we do that because then people can see when other people want to get in a comment or whatever. It seems to flow a little bit better. People talk over each other less. So that's why we're now doing the same thing. But uh, but yeah, so Angie, anything anything new and exciting going on right now? Um. Well, I am... Uh... I'm a terrible completionist, so I've been putting off playing Breath of the Wild because I was playing The Witcher 3 still, <laughs> but my husband got it for me as a gift, so no, that's what I've been doing for a month and a half. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, oh, we've been, um, since more and more people in our area are vaccinated, we've actually been having a lot more tabletop nights, so we've been oh, nice. playing Pandemic Legacy and Gloomhaven, and that's actually been really, really fun, I think, because I can ease back into seeing other people again in very small doses but still just play games instead so I don't have to I don't I'm not faced every day with the fact that I've forgotten how to interact with the public (laughs) (laughs) all right well that's cool yeah I know I mean here it's like even though Beth and I are both fully vaccinated it's like we've got the kids who uh now now Rachel is you know, because they okayed down to 12, she's going to get her vaccination soon. But like, you know, we've got the kids and, you know, we still are kind of basically quarantining. We're still wearing masks when we go out and everything else. It's just like, not a whole lot has changed for us. (laughs) So I'm looking forward to when we can finally feel comfortable enough to just go maskless all the time and have, you know, and do things, but yeah. Not, not yet. It is good, but I have completely forgotten how to interact with people face-to-face. I didn't realize that, that would be a problem since I live with my husband and my mm-hmm. child and I have been, you know, bubbling with my extended family. But like strangers, it's, I, I feel like I'm in middle school again. It's terrible. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> middle school, that's the worst. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I told both my kids, I'm like, you know, I can't tell you 
whether elementary school or high school was better for me, but I can tell you middle school was not good. <laughs> so uh, there are things to like about elementary. There were things to like about high school, but, um, but yeah, no, you left out one other thing, Angie. We, we left out the thing that is causing you burning rage as I get angry texts from you <laughs> as you're watching Ooh. the librarians. <laughs> I Ooh. thought we would wait till that episode, but yeah, oh, okay. I, uh, I hate that guy. So, <laughs> so, um, so yeah, because uh, Angie's having me watch Warehouse 13, which I've never seen, but she had never seen the librarians. Well, the librarian or the librarians. I was, I was telling her she has to watch that. So she just watched the three librarian movies. And I'm hoping I won't get angry texts from when she watches the Librarian's TV series, but uh, oh, we'll see bro. how that goes. Watch this space. <laughs> All right. Well, Angie, it's good to have you back on the show. I am always glad to be here. Thanks for having me. <laughs> no problem. All right. So uh, next up, he's hailing from the Satellite of Love. He is the, the, the star of stage and screen, and that is our buddy, Mike Nelson, a.k.a. Jeffrey Wright. So, Mike, yes. how are you yes, doing? thank you. I'm good. I'm good. Uh, filming uh, for the Batman movie. It's, uh, it should be wrapping up, if not already wrapped up. It's, it's, uh, I've already left the set. I'm already working on my next project. You know, uh, It's great to be on the podcast because I'm saving up my voice. Uh, for the What If Marvel series, it's now my mm. turn to do the narration as the Watcher. That's like pretty that, exciting. Sneak peek. Are, are you just done with James Bond now, or? <laughs> <laughs> um, James Bond's actually been done. We're just waiting for it to be released. Uh, that's up to the studios at this point because of COVID. So, hey, so um, so what have you heard the news about MGM possibly being bought by Amazon? I did. That's a. Yeah. I'm not gonna say it's a weird purchase because Amazon's Amazon at this point. So it's <laughs> like, oh, I didn't even know MGM was even still a thing. It's funny because not too long ago on the show we were actually talking about the fact that MGM was for sale. And I said that a streaming service is going to want to buy them because I was like, that's the thing holding screen, like streaming services are going to want that theater presence also, you know? And so I, I predicted Netflix actually, I was like, Netflix will probably want to buy MGM just to give themselves a foot in the door in movie theaters also. But it was Amazon, which is, I mean, they have more money anyway, I'm sure (laughs) than Netflix does, but, uh, but it's the same idea. I think, I think that they want that foot in the door, but it will be weird though. If like the next James Bond movie is like straight to Amazon. That would be weird. (laughs) (laughs) So, so it's a little strange, but, but they might be willing to invest in more Stargate, which I'm okay with. There's already that rumor that, uh, oh my God, her name actually escaped. Yeah. That she was, uh interested to actually be do the revival series for it Mm -hmm. yeah no i mean i know that there are there are plans that they're working on right now but you know there are all kinds of things that are in planning that never get actually made to series i'm just saying with amazon as a backer that might you know and 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 the distribution that amazon has that might actually be helpful for them getting a new stargate series always down for more stargate always yeah but no i've been good uh no, surviving a little bit of COVID here, a little COVID there. It's been great. Uh, new stuff. COVID uh, I here, there, everywhere. <laughs> I got promoted at work, so I'm now the IT director. Nice. So just a uh, step away from VP. 
<laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was basically, I've been doing the day-to-day job as the IT director since COVID started. Mm. And my boss and the bosses of bosses noticed, there's like, he, he's already doing the job. Just give him the title, give him the pay raise and call it a day. And he's like, oh, cool, thanks. It's 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 nice because that rarely works out that way. They're usually like, hey, he's doing the job and he doesn't get the pay. That's great. We never need to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Unless he threatens to leave, then maybe they'll do something, you know. So Yeah, I did yeah, it was great because I just I didn't say a thing. I just literally just kept going on with my day and then my boss just came and he's like, Oh, hey, by the way, uh you're gonna get promoted. Uh, you're getting the pay raise. Uh congratulations. I'm like, wait, this is just like a Tuesday. What happened here? What what happened? nice yeah fun times in the it world you just have everything going for you you're a big name star you get to riff movies all the time now you're a director you're also a dinosaur somehow i mean it's weird it's like you've got the best life i try my best i try my i'm so tired you have no idea (laughs) all right oh mike it is great to have you back on the show it's good to be back man All right. And finally, we have somebody new for the 42 cast. He is someone that I met uh, while on the Level 7 podcast, which was an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast. And that is J.D. Jackson. J.D., welcome to the 42 cast. Well, hello. It's lovely to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, no uh, problem. No problem. Um, I've been trying to sneak onto one of your Marvel podcasts for a little bit now, and I'm happy it's it's this one where I can give the hottest of hot takes. There you go. (laughs) <laughs> well, I, I am someone who doesn't like having an episode where everybody is just like, yeah, I agree. Yeah, I agree. Because, you know, that's not interesting to listen to. So, yeah, no, that, it's going to be great. Uh, but um, since this is your first time on the show, why don't you say a little bit about yourself? Well, I, uh, I'm i a Taurus. I like long walks on the beach and candlelight. Din- no, um, <laughs> I, uh, I, I'm one of the co-hosts of Level 7 Access. We've been doing that podcast for about eight years now. Uh, we started out as an Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast, and then we're like, yeah, I guess we'll do all of it since it's, you know, it's part of the MCU. I guess we'll do the MCU too. And then, surprise, it's not part of the MCU anymore. Um Disney Plus just recently put the final nail in that coffin. Mm. Um, but uh, no, I I live I've lived all over the country. Uh, I now live in South Central Pennsylvania um, with my horse and buggy, and uh, <laughs> you know just live a nice quiet life of seclusion now. Uh, but so I, you I live in an Amish paradise. I do. Yes. Nice. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I play a lot of tabletop role-playing games. Uh, I travel when I can. I used to be a travel agent before the pandemic hmm. destroyed that entire industry. So yeah, I never even thought about that. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god. I you know I think about how movie theaters are so hard hit, but it's like oh yeah, the travel industry. That's like god. Like movie theaters at least had something. But well, oh, uh, when I started the pandemic, I worked for a luxury cruise line. Um where like one of the guests that I got to book onto the, their uh, cabin was Haim Saban. Mm. So, um, but uh, yeah, I worked for them. And then, you know, uh, starting in March or actually earlier than that in February, just like, well, we're not cruising for the next two months. And then that became two more months and two more months and they still have not sailed yet. (laughs) So 
Yeah, it's uh, that entire industry is going to be very different if and when it ever comes back. Yeah, wow. This um, has been travel talk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully, though, I mean, hopefully things will start recovering, you know, uh, with with vaccines becoming more and more available. So we'll see. We'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, the other question I like to ask people when they're on for the first time is what is your primary fandom? So, I mean, it's it's definitely Marvel. Um, I I approach fandom very oddly, I think. Uh, I I kind of I have a very hard time getting like super invested in like the I don't get into the weeds as much. Mm. Um, so like I, I always kind of feel like I'm on the outskirts, even though I very much like what I like and mm. I you don't miss don't miss a release don't miss a movie but you know I, I i tend to avoid like aside from the podcast getting like emotionally invested in the thing but uh but yeah i think marvel is probably my biggest fandom that i'm a part of now all right so this is really appropriate that this is the episode that you're on super up my alley <laughs> <laughs> all right well it's great to have you on the show jd it's nice to be here the chair is comfy it's my own chair. <laughs> yeah, that that is definitely the best. All right. Well, normally we would have a five minute controversy here, but uh, both because I don't know of anything that's going on right now that's super controversial, or at least super controversial in the geeky sphere. Um, so um, and we've got plenty to talk about with Falcon and the Winter Soldier. So what we're going to do is we're going to pause right here for our promo for another fine podcast, and then we will come back and talk about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Winter is coming. Prepare with a fine cigar and listen to the Cigar Nerds Podcast. We smoke cigars and talk about movies and all kind of nerdy things. Available at CigarNerdPodcast.com. Also on the ESO Network at ESONetwork.com. Like I talked about at the top of the show, we are talking about Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Um, those are characters that we hadn't seen since Avengers Endgame, where there was the scene with uh, both of them with Steve. Uh, when Steve returns as an older man and he gives the shield to, um, to Sam, to Falcon. And, you know, it's funny because watching that, I was like, okay, it's done. You know, Sam is Captain America. They did it in the comics, you know, um, when next time we see him, he'll be Captain America. And I didn't think anything more of it. And then we got this series and they went with a very interesting direction on this with Sam basically rejecting 
the Captain America mantle um, in the beginning and donating the shield to the Smithsonian. And we had an entire journey with his character. So, Mike, I think that I saw the biggest reaction out of anyone on my Facebook feed from you um, about this series. So um, talking about Sam and Sam's journey, how did you feel about that, you know, watching you know, watching this series. So I, that's one thing I will give Marvel. And honestly, every time we even look at the book, like Marvel knows good storytelling, of course, sometimes mm-hmm. with this show, I really expected like a little bit of spy, a little espionage. What I really didn't hit expected to impact was a little African-American history to it. I didn't expect to uh, see Isaiah there. Mm-hmm. And the struggle that he went through and see how real and raw that character really brought to the screen. Uh, even if I was an African-American of myself, uh, like I don't really get a, a lot of black power in me, but like just seeing all that done the whole way through it and even having to wait week after week for it was just like, yeah, he, that is that was it was really powerful for for me mm-hmm. the, i'm 36 years old where i've already seen the roughness of how america and the world really treats myself and i had to do I had to do better seeing it for marvel and understanding that yeah this is some of a kid show some of it's not but just the experience of how it was done how it was written how it was performed mm-hmm. was just phenomenal uh sam coming from just here he has own history with the army, uh, with the air force, sorry. Uh, and just his own backstory with it and how he's, how he's a therapist, how he's a mentor and partnering up with Steve Rogers. And from the first time we really saw him just racing with Steve Rogers, all the way to see him now is profound. Mm-hmm. Like that is just character building to the max Sam is a ride or die dude. He, he was with Steve from the beginning to the end and seeing him now as Captain America holding the shield. I thought it was fun and great watching it in the comic book. And even, but even in the comic book, it hit me, but it also didn't hit me mm-hmm. watching it performed, watching Anthony Mackie just bring this to life and seeing the reactions of the of the bystanders, hearing him talking with the senators, just hearing his speech after speech, everyone can really just go with, oh, he's just copying Steve Rogers. Like, hold on here. But he has his own thing, though. He has his own American vision, the same way Steve had his. Mm-hmm. And hearing Isaiah say they won't accept the black Captain America, my brain couldn't register it. I never heard those words in the comic. Even in the comic, my, I never thought that it was impossible. But once I hear those words, I'm like, wait, America really won't accept this. Mm. Holy crap. Yeah, but, it was much harder hitting than I expected. Yeah, um, from, like, from I, was, I was really, again, I came in once to see some action, see some espionage, not to get an African-American history lesson and just black pride i didn't expect it and anthony mackie the the producers the writers the whole team this whole series i can't wait for captain america 4 i need another season of this this was this was just some profound stuff that was amazing and i thank them so hard for it 
All right. Yeah. Um, so JD, what was your take on, um, on Sam and his progression in the series? Oh, uh, the stuff with Sam is the best stuff on the show. Uh, I mean, like very much like Mike was saying, I, I really didn't expect Marvel to tread into those waters. Uh, and I'm, I'm a little proud of them that they decided to, because uh, I mean, they handled it in a very Marvel way, which is to say that they, they did kind of treat it a, a little surface levelly. But the fact that Marvel went there at all <laughs> and took mm-hmm. a stance on it um, was not something I expected. And I was, I was, that stuff all worked for me the best on this show um, with Sam's progression and, and, you know, having him deny the shield at first and have to come around to it and seeing all of the ways that Marvel has like grown his character, but also kept parts of him consistent. Um, the the fact that, you know, he was, he starts out as a counselor, as, as mm-hmm. not like a, a licensed therapist, but somebody who is helping other soldiers, you know, reacclimate. And that is, I mean, that's basically the impetus behind him talking to Carly at one point mm-hmm. in the show. Like that is kind of the, the you know, the emotion behind his, his speech to, um, the absolute worst Senator on, on the planet (laughs) that is also somehow in charge of the GRC, like that speech to him uh, again, that's all born out of what we know as Sam of a character where he, you know, he is somebody who believes in the power of words and, and being able to, you know, solve a conflict without having to fight. Um, so having that be a consistent part of his character and even kind of like wrapping that into who he has become as Captain America, I thought was a very, very good touch. So, yeah, I mean, for me, the the arc that Sam takes on Falcon and Winter Soldier is by far the strongest element of the show. Um, and, I, you know, I think some of Marvel's storytelling at its best. All right. And Angie? Yeah, I mean, I, I generally agree. Um, you know, the only thing I would add is that, you know, these shows, we know Disney's never going to require you to watch the shows on their streaming service to watch the movie. So to me, it, I knew Sam was going to have the shield at the end of the show. And so I was really expecting much more of fluff, like, because Sebastian Stan and Anthony Mackie have such great chemistry together that they were kind of going to be buddy cop thriller. It was going to be much more lighthearted. I guess I should have known better after WandaVision, but I was not expecting the audacity of this show at all. And I'm a white lady from white town. And I, there are a lot of things that I didn't pick up on. I had to basically go online and, and watch these communities talking about how this affected them and their representation and how important it was. And all I can say as a white lady is that that did not hit me while I was watching the show, but anything we can do to normalize that sort of stuff is, is worthwhile in and of itself, regardless of anything else with the show. So kudos to Marvel for even going there. Um, I personally found some of the, the speechifying a little bit too much. Um, I, I thought his, his speech in the road to the Senator at the end was a, a too much, but it does. I mean, that is, that, that is him, right? He would rather talk it out than start a fight. And so it was very consistent with the character. I just felt like it didn't always land the way that it might have. Um, but yeah, otherwise totally agreed. It was really affecting. I genuinely 
I just love this guy. <laughs> so. That to well, me yeah. was very much the rat running across the balcony at the end of The Departed was Sam sitting down <laughs> with the senator and being like, all right, if you all have missed any of the previous six episodes, I'm just going to blow through the themes real quick. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I mean yeah i mean there's some there's some i mean truth to the fact that they just dealt with it surface level but at the same time it's a six episode series so it's right. not like hey here's 22 episodes so you really have time to get into the issues it was kind of like if you're going to tell an action series you don't have a whole lot of time to delve too deeply but they did actually go for it and i think that's the thing that you know we've all mentioned is is that's that's good just because we didn't expect it and usually for this kind of a show you wouldn't have it at all so i mean that was you know, that was good, you know, just in itself. But yeah, I mean, Anthony Mackie's portrayal, I mean, it's so fascinating because, you know, we talk about his likability and we talk about the fact that, you know, like he is somebody who would rather talk things out. He's a very humble person. I mean, the whole reason he gives up the shield initially is he doesn't feel worthy to have Steve shield. He's like that. That's not me, you know. Like that's I'm I'm not worthy of that. And so again, he's he's a very humble character. He's he's a character that you know can be you know can fight, but he doesn't bring that as the first thing. And you know, it's it's he's he's a very positive person because it's like everyone else will tell him about all the negativity. He's even like when Isaiah's talking to him, he's never like, yeah, you're right. You know, like this is all about like, he very silently considers Isaiah's words, you know, but he's never someone that comes from a place of the negativity. He is someone that is always, you know, coming from positivity and he's always, and again, that's what you want in Captain America. And that's why I think that as a, um, you know, as a successor to Steve Rogers, you know, the way that they have depicted Sam Wilson is exactly right in that the, the race doesn't matter, you know, in, in the sense of what Captain America stands for, although it matters to people outside of that. And that's where the conflict actually comes in is the fact that there are people whose perceptions are bothered by that. But when you look at the core of the character, he embodies all of the traits that you would want in Captain America. Yeah, and, and I think it's important, too, what you said, where he considered Isaiah's point, the fact that he, when people came at him with uh, with ideas or with, with feelings that challenged his worldview, uh, he stopped to think about them and, mm -hmm. and consider them. He, I mean, I feel like the last episode and a half is him very ruminating on, uh, ruminating on Isaiah's words very strongly uh, and not rejecting them, but understanding that hey that's it that was his life and that doesn't have to be mine um and i, I think yeah that's that's another trait of sam's that really shines through mm -hmm. yep um so uh so yeah let's talk about winter soldier now since he's our other uh title character and um angie since i know that you are a sebastian stan fan going back are you a stan stan <laughs> so he doesn't really need my help anymore but right. back in the day he was on this show called kings that i think myself and nathan who i physically sent the dvd to are the only people who ever watched it i watched um, kings that was on nbc right yeah 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 and he I was on once kings. upon a time as yes, the mad hatter <laughs> Not yes, he sure was the same guy that was Mad Hatter. I yeah. just can't believe it. <laughs> yeah, I I forgot about that too. I was I went back and rewatched the Hurt Locker, which was like the first Anthony Mackie thing I can remember watching. But yeah, I haven't done the same thing with Sebastian Stan. I've not gone back and watched Kings. That's for sure. 
I just, I remember being so impressed with him because I, your TV parents are Susanna Thompson and Ian McShane, for the love of God, like, you, you better have your act together. Um, yeah, so I, I've, I've always thought he was a great actor. He doesn't need my help anymore. <laughs> right, so what do you think of his journey through the series? Because, you know, we have, we have Sam and, and Bucky and, and they're together, but they're also going through their own journeys in the, in the series. So how do you... Yeah, well, and I, you know, from, from the, the films, you know, they had that, that very sparky kind of banter that I think is is gold for any sort of casting director. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, so I, I really just expected more of a, a buddy show. Um, but what I find so interesting about this and, and why, you know, even with some of the flaws and there were some glaring ones, um, those two performances were so solid. And I find it so interesting that, that both Bucky and Sam their journeys were so clear. They were so um, flushed out. They did each other so much justice, even though I would argue that the entire theme of this series is what makes Captain America. It is, it is t- showing us why Steve Rogers was the hero that he was, mm-hmm. because it's not the serum. It's, it just demonstrated that so well. And yet I don't feel like any of the characters who were actually there, because Steve wasn't, were, were, you know, play, d- downplayed or had any of their limelight taken away, which I find to be a, a, a fantastic feat. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'll watch anything Sebastian Stan does till the end of time. I love him. <laughs> so um, I have a question though, and I'm gonna ask it, I want everybody to say this, but do, you know, he struggled a lot with, you know, um, um, telling uh, telling the, the man about, about the kid that he that he killed. And I've heard a lot of different points of view about, you know, what he should have done, whether, you know, the closure was really something that was, you know, necessary, whether he should have done it sooner, whether, you know, he did, you know, like, I'm just curious just what your take is on that whole thing, because, you know, I mean, obviously, it's a very hard thing to do to sit somebody down and be like, hey, I befriended you. But by the way, you know, even though I befriended you for a long time, I I, I killed your son and I just wanted you to know that. So, um Selfishly, I didn't want to watch that scene, so I'm glad they kind of glossed over some of it. Um, I I think, and I I think this was actually fairly subtle, but to me, the fact that he befriended him at the beginning Mm -hmm. is kind of, it's demonstrative of the fact that he didn't really understand what his amends were. Right. Mm-hmm. So he took this this man's family away. So he kind of stepped in as this surrogate family as a way to make amends. And after he and Sam have their, you know, come to Jesus moment and Sam basically tells him, like, this is not for you. You got to do the hard work. This is not about you is when he does what he should have done in the first place, which was not to befriend him and try to take the place of the person he murdered, but to come clean about what he had done and accept those consequences. So. Yes, selfishly, man, I did not want to watch him. I did not want to watch that scene at all. I was dreading it the entire time. I knew it was coming and I didn't want to watch it. So I'm, I'm okay with the fact that they kind of cut away. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I feel like, you know, he didn't do the right thing at the beginning and he ended doing the right thing and that's more uncomfortable. And I think that just falls right in line with, with all the themes that were in the show as it was. Mm-hmm. All right. And um, JD, how did you feel about the uh, Winter Soldier storyline? I, I mean, I 
I just echo what Angie said. Uh, he, you know, what he does in the beginning to befriend him is very deeply messed up. It's coming from a good place, but yeah. like if you step back from it as an observer, like we are, what he does to that man is not cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, you know, the fact that he does listen to Sam and, and actually do the hard work at the end is reflective of his journey and that he finally understands, I think more the full weight of the things that he had done when he was a winter soldier, but he's much more capable of shouldering it now at the end. So mm-hmm. like, I'm glad where he ended up, but no, what he did to that man was not cool at all. It was not a good time. Yeah. I mean, I, I find that, yeah, I mean, it's obviously going to be far more difficult now that he's befriended him to tell him that. Cause then the guy's going to be like, well, what were you doing all this time that you were just hanging around me and didn't say anything? <laughs> oh, so, I just felt yeah. bad about murdering your kid. <laughs> right. I decided to ingratiate myself with your family. Is that all right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah. So Mike, um, how'd you feel about uh, the winter soldier side of things? It's always a struggle, and I guess I have to thank Sebastian Stan for his portrayal on it. It's always a struggle to watch Bucky go through this thing, to go through living through living living what he done in the past, and yeah, the befriending with the old dude. Like I can't imagine it. I don't ever want to imagine myself in that scenario, and I I'm pretty sure that I mean yeah he. It's definitely certainly messed up, but I, in defense of Bucky, I think he was trying to at least maybe be in friends with them. Like, man, over a beer, like, oh, by the way, killed your kid. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, next round's on me. Next round. And, <laughs> uh, but like in that scenario, like, oh, my God, it's just, it's, it's gut wrenching the whole process and you're on needles. Anytime you talk with them and man, I just wouldn't put that on anyone's on any on any of my worst enemy uh, to have to go through that kind of thing. Bucky, his progression and his change. I think this exactly we, I think with this series with how Bucky ended where he, he of course had Steve, he lost Steve, he lost himself. And through the th- through all the movies, he regained himself. He became a hero. And this is now where we actually see the personal trauma with him having to learn with it, to live with it. And thanks to Sam and his family and his new wife, it's because uh, we all know Bucky's definitely going to marry uh, Sam. <laughs> I, was, I we figured that's it. where you're going with that comment. Yeah, <laughs> we all know it. Uh, I mean, he now has a family and. This is just, yeah. If we were one, like, where's our happy ending? Where's our happy Disney happy ending? Like, oh, it's here. It's just in the form of Bucky Barnes, <laughs> you know, this battered war hero who is definitely in his what late 80s. I don't know. <laughs> I think they say he's over 100 now because of everything. Over 100. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a Tolkien book himself. So, <laughs> uh, that was Sam. If I even if I didn't have Sam and, and how I felt with that with Bucky, that is my happy ending that I can really walk away with, and I would be okay with like this is Bucky Swan song. He can literally fade into the blacks. Like, hey, look, if we never see Bucky Barnes again, know that he is now in an officially good place 
and he's just now on his own bench, smiling at the sun. He's running a fishing business. He's running a fishing business. That's right. <laughs> so, um, so, so yeah. I mean, um, with Bucky. Uh, I liked the fact that they showed the truck. Like, again, I mean, this is what they have with the Disney Plus series that they can't do in a movie. They can really take the time to show the trauma. You know, you could tell in Infinity War that he seemed better, but they couldn't devote too much time to Bucky because, you know, they had 50 characters to deal with in Infinity War. So it's <laughs> like, you know, there's no time. So it was nice to really get into it and really and deal with also, again, I mean, I said this already with WandaVision, but I was shocked that they brought up the Sokovia Accords because I was like, yeah, after Endgame, they're just going to hand wave the Sokovia Accords, but then they never happened. And again, they talked about the fact that it's part of like his plea deal is that he has to, you know, get, um, you know, the counseling and everything else. So, um, you know, I thought that that was really good that again, Marvel is still developing the universe and still keeping with, you know, the things that they've introduced into the series. Um but uh but yeah and the other thing i mean that i was really glad about because you know even before you know the infinity war and Endgame, you know the speculation was already pretty high that um that uh, chris evans wasn't going to be captain america anymore after Endgame, and everyone was saying you know there's the debates like should sam be captain america or should bucky be captain america and i feel like a lot of fangirls who think that sebastian stan is really hot were like but you know he should be captain america he should be captain america and i was like oh god no <laughs> i mean in fairness like, oh, i'm sorry in, in fairness he is pretty hot yeah. i mean let's let's be fair yeah no i i i understand i understand the appeal i'm just saying from the standpoint of the narrative it makes so much less sense i get in the comics that bucky became captain america at one point but i, mean, I the think the comics everyone has been capped for a oh, little bit yeah and that was another thing i liked about this series that they introduced <laughs> yeah. the idea that like captain america is a thing that has passed you know, that that has passed before, you know, that mantle has been passed on and it can be passed on further and all that. So, um, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I just didn't feel like Bucky where he is right now made any sense. A man that's steeped in blood and full of guilt, you know, and you're just going to throw a costume on him. Like I was like, that makes zero sense. And I did not want that. So I am glad that they went with Sam on top of the fact that it tells a more powerful story, I think with Sam being captain America. Um, but, uh, but yeah, everything from like, there's that moment that I think was so great where um, Bucky says, you have to be the one that has the shield because that was Steve's choice. And if Steve was wrong about you, then he's wrong about me, too. And that says everything right there. You know, I mean, uh, on top of all the other stuff that's going on, the other ways that they showed in whatever, that line is the line, right? That, that shows you where Bucky is and all of this. But, um, you know, I love the fact that he was so protective about the idea of Steve's legacy and he was so... Uh, you know, there was such a such a powerful force in that. And I like the fact that they went through the trauma. And I loved like the part of his like amends was like taking care of all the Hydra people that were still out there. <laughs> it's just like I'm making amends. <laughs> that was great in the beginning. So um so yeah, no, I, I really like that um, you know, aspect of it as well. Um, so 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 question now for everybody. Because it was funny, I listened to a podcast recently where they were talking about this series, and one of the things that they said was, 
oh, it was a real missed opportunity that they didn't have Chris Evans show up at the end to come to Isaiah and say, like, we're sorry for what happened to you, or I'm sorry for what happened to you. Um, do you guys think that that would have been, like, a good thing? And, and second question, I got the impression watching it that, like, Cap is gone, gone. And I realize that if Chris Evans ever says he wants to come back, they will hand wave that away. But I think the way they're going with it is like Cap is dead now. Because I mean, it makes no sense for him to not show up, even as an old man, to like at least weigh in on things if if he wasn't dead. So so um, let's start with you this time first, JD. Do you, do you, what do you think about that kind of a scene at the end for, for Steve to be there? And do you think that they're trying to tell us that Steve is dead? Uh, I would have absolutely hated that scene. (laughs) I would not have been happy to have that inclusion because I mean, that's just, I think it would have felt very pandering. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, and I mean, it's just (sighs) as a white person, uh, you know, I, I don't know entirely how to weigh in on this. I just feel like the scene would have been in bad taste personally um on the other point of is steve dead ah uh-huh. i don't think he'll be back um and i i don't think he would be the person like i got the the sense from the end of Endgame that he also had no interest in weighing in on anything mm. he was done with the whole thing he had lived his life he was done being cap passed along the shield this is your responsibility now I'm I, like, I've more than done my time with it. Um, so, no, I mean, no, it completely tracks to me that he would not show up for any of this. Really? See, I think I think with like the John Walker selection, I think he would have weighed in on that, you know. Uh, but uh, but Angie, what do you think about, you know, this thought of um, they should have had uh, Steve Rogers show up at the end? JD, that's disgusting. I don't know how you could watch this show and watch John Walker in this series and then think that Steve Rogers needs to show up at the end (laughs) and take responsibility for the U.S. government, who is not sorry for what they did because his his moniker was Captain America. Bite me. Like, no, no, Steve is not. Steve has transcended the U.S. government in every single movie that he is in. He has shown that he's the ideal of what America can be. And that's why Sam had to be the next Captain America. And I'm boggled that anyone could even think that Steve needed to show up and make amends with Isaiah. The whole point, the whole point is that Isaiah got done wrong by this government, but that he and Steve are of, of the same cloth. Steve doesn't I, owe him an apology. No, yeah, I, I, even... I agreed with you. I, I did not. No, I thought that would have been terrible if Steve would have showed up and tried to make amends. Oh, no, I agree with you. I'm just, oh, okay. I'm talking about whatever podcast this was. You'll tell me later. So I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, hold on. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they, they even made it a point in this to talk about the fact that the shield isn't actually, and, and really the identity isn't owned by the U S government. I mean, even though they didn't mention that part, they just said the shield isn't actually owned by. Well, I mean, that was Stark I made mean, that. 
you know, that was a villain that pro- threw that out there. So I don't know about. How well, yeah, but I know. But I'm just saying, though. Is. I mean, there is no legitimacy to saying that the government owns the the Captain America, you know, identity. No, they seize was... they seize the shield through eminent domain. I mean, well, I mean, the government. I mean, I mean government. Yeah, Sam Sam donated the shield to the Smithsonian, which I mean, which is not a governmental institution, uh, right? Which knowledge. is not a governmental institution. So yeah, I mean, that's yeah. Anyway, but, but yeah, so. Um, Angie, do you think Steve is dead? Uh, kind of doesn't matter, honestly. I mean, I, I think I, I would watch like a, like a Steve putting the stones back show. But if he never shows up in the in the Marvel universe, the MCU again, I'm fine with it. I mean, he had a great he had a great arc, great end. He doesn't need to show up. No. All yeah, right. And, I, I oh, agree. I want. Sorry. I, I, I want for some of these guys that have been you know in the mcu for for that long like like a chris evans like robert downey jr to be able to show the other actors in this in the mcu that like yeah no there is a life outside of marvel there's a life after this you don't have to i mean it's cool if you want to do like 15 movies and just you know cash a really nice paycheck all the time um but like if you want to break out of this and go do your own thing, like you can still do that. I, mm. I, I think it's important for somebody to show that that's able to be done. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I hope it's possible for Chris Evans um, who is, I, you know, young enough certainly to make that work. I mean, same with mm-hmm. Robert Downey Jr. Um, yeah, but this is why I think even though no one ever wants to hear it and everybody tells me I'm wrong, eventually they're going to reboot. They're going to have to because they're going to want to do Iron Man again and they're going to want to do the Tony Stark Iron Man, you know, and then there's only so many mantle passings you can do and eventually they're going to reboot. Um, But but anyway, I mean, someday, but it it seems like they're very much setting up for, you know, it seems like they're very much setting up a Young Avengers um, uh, kind of continuity as a backup. Mm-hmm. for for that contingency plan for when the originals start to decide that they've they've had their run and that they're ready to move on um and you know i think they're doing that with on purpose characters and actors that are younger that can stick around longer and grow <sighs> frustrates me that it's not new warriors no but i know his only spider-man is miles morales he's four i mean, i yeah because that's the only movie he is allowed to watch. <laughs> so, <laughs> the only movie. Marvel movie, anyway. Um, yeah, I there's a lot of there's a lot of mental passing that's possible. I think mm-hmm. if they do reboot, I probably will have lost interest at that point. Anyway. All right, so Mike, what do you uh, what do you think about this notion that Steve should have showed up at the end to? Uh, to tell Isaiah that you know that 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 you know he was sorry that all this stuff happened to him. Look, whoever came up with this, and now I want the name of the podcast. Uh, <laughs> they uh, they need to understand a black man doesn't need a white man to apologize for crimes against them. <laughs> like what the hell? I I think the Marvel fanboy in me is like, oh chris evans and steve rogers that's cool wait why is he apologizing for what things that he did not do i mean he just he had like it was said he has the name captain america he's not actually like 
the U.S. government itself. Now, if the U.S. government wanted to come by and say apologize, as a black man, we're still going to give him the middle finger. It's like, <laughs> thanks for apologizing for nothing. Um, now, if he wants to come by and apologize with a giant money truck, then that would be one <laughs> there you thing. Go, reparations. <laughs> <laughs> But no, Steve did not need to be anywhere near the show. Uh, w- this wasn't really about Steve. Steve got multiple movies. And, and like Angie said, he is the ideal, or at least the, the, the figure of what America could be. And mm. honestly, what it was back then. And Steve brought those same ideals to today's era and just as we saw today's era ruin Thor, today's era definitely made Steve Rogers like Steve Rogers cussed. Oh my God, he said ass. <laughs> so, and Steve just melted and he went with it and still kept to his ideals. And now we have this generation's Captain America, and it's a and it's a black man who lives in a is a black man in America. You can't go with the new personification of what today's America is and look at Sam's like, yeah, that's it. This, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is exactly it. The next one could easily be a Hispanic happen in America. Uh, go for it. No idea what the future is going to hold. But we definitely didn't need Steve Rogers anywhere near here, especially coming over to Isaiah Bradley and saying, I'm sorry for what happened to you. Because that would have ruined, that would have just been absolutely disastrous for every character every character around it yeah it, bo- um, it boggled me when i heard that i was just like what <laughs> like, yeah, i i could not imagine like in what port like like who thought that that was in good taste and so i was just curious like is this just a me thing or do other people feel that <laughs> way so i thought that i would throw that out there because yeah it's just kind of like wow i i don't and and by the way even though he did have a huge role carl lumley as isaiah oh my god carl lumley is fantastic in everything so that, that he does yeah, and, yeah um, he, he brought that now i kind of want like okay I, I really want isaiah now to be fully suited i want <laughs> you sir to be fully suited geared up and let's go for a movie just like a little like fight alongside uh captain new captain falcon for a little bit just like, that's all i need like, like yeah. throw one punch get out you're done that's all i needed <laughs> uh, and steve rogers being dead uh i don't think he i think if anything he's just retired uh I'm, my brain literally in my fan fiction ways are just going like, oh no, Steve Rogers isn't dead. He's right now forming and leading S.H.I.E.L.D. on off-books missions as the secret leader of S.H.I.E.L.D. while Nick is off in space doing space things. So we'll see We'll see Steve Rogers come back surprised and was like, Steve? I'm like, that's, yes, Steve Rogers, director of S.H.I.E.L.D. And it just was very surreal, like, for me, like, if Steve was alive somewhere, why would Bucky and Stan have to argue about what Steve wanted or what, like, like Bucky could have just been like, I got Steve on the phone, listen to him, you know, or, or like, with the John Walker thing, I feel like Steve wouldn't have let, now, yeah, the whole socio-political thing, yeah, I can totally see, you know, Steve being like, I don't want to be part of that, but I could see him totally being there, like, you know, no, like, you don't yeah. do that. I, I can also see him being like, uh, no, I'm not answering that phone call. No. <laughs> <laughs> he so, lived a good no, life. I don't think so, I so, will. Yeah, I mean, I was, I, I watched that and I was like, oh, like it sounds to me like they're not even trying to. I mean, yeah, there was that whole thing of I heard Steve, I've heard Captain America's on the moon, um, kind Which, of thing that they yeah, threw I mean, out that there. Is, 
Look, when they say retired, they mean retired. They ain't messing. (laughs) I'm not calling you more. I'm off. Just yep. Don't yeah, bother I, me. I, I just don't. But obviously, of course, if Chris Evans ever comes to Marvel and says, like, guys, I really want to do this again, I'm sure they will create any narrative around that that they want to and magic de aging or whatever. <laughs> the you comics know. already did it. We can do it. Right. um but yeah no just speaking to your comment though mike again because he's a fairly you know minor character we're probably not gonna have the time to cover him but like um sam's friend the one that went in and and was videotaping the flag smashers initially joaquin torres yeah he becomes falcon in the comics he's he's the second falcon after after sam becomes captain america so um and isaiah's isaiah's grandson elijah also becomes part of the avengers down the line too so we did not know that yep uh, again they're they're planting these little seeds of young people that can step into these these mantles and these roles down the line yo that punk ass kid who is isaiah's grandson better step up if he wants to become part of marvel i'm saying <laughs> i i really as somebody that grew up and lived and grew up in baltimore i really appreciated atlanta baltimore that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. um, I thought Savannah was a good double for uh, New Orleans, though. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I was like, oh, that actually makes a lot of sense. They were in Atlanta, so you just go down to Savannah, and that mm-hmm. actually like looks a lot like New Orleans. So I thought that worked pretty well. Um, but, uh, but yeah, all right. So let's talk about John Walker. So, um ooh. <laughs> this is gonna be spicy so so here's the thing watching people lose their mind on the internet about john walker was kind of funny to me as someone who's read the comics right <laughs> right so it's like so many death threats like okay we can pull back a bit yeah and i mean it's like because i knew i mean yeah i mean in the comics john walker became captain america for a time he was unstable he was not the right person to be captain america and you know steve had to take back the identity basically now you know obviously that's different because of the timing and everything because steve was the you know steve was around and was still in in good health and everything but he had sort of become disenfranchised with the the government and and there's a whole big story around but anyway the idea that john walker became captain america and so i knew exactly what they were doing with this is they were going to show sam this is what happens when you when you don't do what you need to do what you know you need to do this is what happens and this, this is, is what happens when you choose a perfect soldier over a good man yeah <laughs> and it's also like i think the point that they were making also was captain america sam are sam and and definitely steve are the ideals of what america strives to be mm-hmm. john walker is what america is yeah. yeah. No, I think that you're right about that. I think that that was a statement that they were making with that. And the thing is, you know, like, again, on paper, he seems like, I mean, he was, I mean, he was a great soldier, you know, he won the award, you know, I'm sorry, I'm not a military person at all. I don't know that I know that people like got mad that are military that he got three of something that they said nobody ever gets more of one. Yeah, you, you know, you Medal of Valor or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange because they, like, then later they seem to indicate he got them all for the same action mission yes make any sense at all like it's yeah i mean it's marvel hand wave military nobody cares that didn't didn't really bother okay but um but the idea was this was a guy i mean he did what he was told to do and and he actually they showed when he was talking with his friend 
that he did have conscience about some of the things he had had to do and, and you know, stuff like that. Like, he wasn't like a monster. He wasn't like an evil person that delighted in cruelty, you know, but he was someone that works fine in a military environment, but because of the fact that, you know, they're putting this thing on him where he's now supposed to be like, you know, this, this superstar superhero, you know, that, that led to the problem of, you know, lack of control, lack of oversight, lack of everything. And he wasn't able to handle that. No, no, man, that serum makes you more of who you are. I know. I I've heard that statement. I think people are making a lot more of that statement than it really is. But anyway, um, I wouldn't even argue. I think he was a good person. I mean, you, you, they give us an insight into who he yeah. is at the beginning. And we're primed to hate him by everything, by the style of filming, by the music. By, we are primed to hate him. Mm-hmm. By the but way then, the they take looks. The time, then they take the time to show him having his doubts, having mm-hmm. these relationships with the people who are closest to him. We are given his background where we talk about what a decorated soldier he is. And then you kind of sit there and think, did he, like, could he have even turned it down? Like, uh, really, mm-hmm. could he have even turned it down? You know, and it's the sort of thing where it's once again, Steve would have, because that's who Steve was, and that's why he's Captain America. John Walker mm-hmm. is too good a soldier to be Captain America. But then you look at the, the, the series itself, and you're like, all right, U.S. government, this guy is probably at peak physical fitness for a dude, a normal guy with his normal friend who you send off into covert ops without any backup or support, except for maybe like befriend an ex Soviet assassin. Like the, the government was like, you got the costume on, go do the thing. And I don't know well, what anybody else expected. And the but, serum of like, he loses it. He becomes a monster at the end, but I don't, I mean, I don't think I don't think that the point was that he always was a bad person. I think I, I the think point is the same with Carly is that the I, serum corrupts you in some yeah. way if you don't have that that moral core that Steve did. Well, yeah. I mean, there's so so uh, again, we're not sure it's the same serum anyway. We know it is a serum that gives people superpowers, whether it's the exact Erskine formula or you know, like we're not sure about that. In the comics, it's different. Like what what John Walker takes is different from what Steve had because the Erskine formula is lost forever. It was the serum derived from what was given to Isaiah Bradley, right. which you're right. supposed Correct. to then look at. Why did Bradley survive and be stable? It's about who he is as a person. Mm-hmm. I think that's getting into metaphysics more than they, they intended to with the serum. It, it gives you strength. And if you have a certain kind you know, like, you know, power corrupts, you know, is the, is the thing. I mean, it, I don't think it affects your mind other than the fact that now you're super strong. And if you have a personality that would lend itself towards using that strength in a bad way, then that's, you know, what happens, you know, if you have a very calm collected, you know, personality, that strength, you know, doesn't, you know that that strength doesn't motivate you to do things that would you know be wrong but i don't i don't um, think it actually changes your personality I, I disagree i think the point of showing what they showed us with john walker and with carly is that that serum it, it might not make you a different person but it definitely amplifies everything including maybe your faults of character because yes. everybody around carly is also horrified by what she's becoming yep so I- implying that she didn't start out that way Right, but again, it's about power. When you have power, it can corrupt you. 
you know, great power corrupts, you know, and absolute power corrupts absolutely is the is the thing. And I think that's what it that's what it is. And the fact of the matter is, like, you know, you understand when this guy's best friend dies, when he initially becomes enraged. It's the fact that he ran after somebody who wasn't even the one that did it chased them down and then bashed them to death but if it had been like a heat of the moment thing that he had gotten carly and like just murdered her quickly it would have been a lot more understandable right it's the fact that he had the time to like premeditate you know to think about it to calm down and he just didn't that was the thing that like you know is such a you know is such a horrifying thing um and uh but but yeah, I mean, I, I think that it was the I think it was the point was that he was a corruptible person, and that's why Gavin, I mean, that power, you know, gave it to him because he didn't come from a place of of optimism and hope and positivity. You know, he came from a place where he was used to taking orders and doing whatever was necessary, whether it was good or bad. You know, because they talk about the atrocity. You know, like that's the conversation he has with his friend. They've committed atrocities and they feel bad about it, but that's what they were told to do. So, I mean, he's come from a place where he's already been able to do that because he was told to do it. I would argue that if he hadn't killed that guy in public, nothing would have happened to him. Oh no, Absolutely. I agree. I don't think the government would have cared. Hundred percent. Nope. Not even a little. And that's part of the issue is he was like, what are you talking about? This is what you hired me to do. So I did it. It's the point that he couldn't go from soldier to figurehead. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And I think that that's the exactly the issue. Um, and and yeah, I don't think, again, I think that this is the kind of thing that he's done in the past, but he was just told to do it. Um, now, Mike, um, we've all been talking here. What were your thoughts about John Walker and, and how he was the, depicted of this? I like it was said. I appreciate that we saw John Walker not just instantly a bad guy. Mm -hmm. We actually through this show we got where he was just a soldier. He obviously was a good soldier. He followed instructions as a soldier does, and he got the opportunity to be this, uh, be the new Captain America, and really just see the peaks and valleys of him and his journey and where it ended up not and yeah i mean absolutely knew that he was going to go kill that guy absolutely knew there was going to be blood on that shield i'm like oh thank you marvel but it wasn't something that was just oh i'm just gonna do it no he actually had to go through an emotional journey of losing his friend fighting fighting not really a demon but just fighting the urge that we all would obviously have it's like ooh super strength super soldier i really want to do this and it, just really find finding all that struggle within him and i, I think it's going to be and even at the end of the at the end of it where he actually was a good guy he was definitely helping out he didn't kill anybody i don't probably think I mean, I, they're know. showing us that he's redeemable is what they're showing yeah, us. Yeah, showing that he that is redeemable, episode. exactly. Yeah. And that was a good good thing for me. Uh, I didn't really need John Walker to be just straight out, quote unquote, villain, mm -hmm. but no idea what's going to be whole. But I do like, yeah, he was redeemable at the end of it. And I really do want to see more John Walker. The John Walker U.S. agent character is one of the one of the good staples of the Captain America mythos that really just needs to go along with Sam, and that right there will give us that parallel. Um, 
and even in my eyes, you can honestly see it as its own what if story. It's like, cool, Steve Rogers wanted to join the military to not really, as we said, fight Nazis, but to protect and help America. Mm-hmm. We got to see a guy who couldn't become a soldier, and now we got to see a Captain America that was a soldier. Mm-hmm. That was a great parallel that we got from this series. And I really hope a lot of people really make that distinction when they go back, like I did to watch the first Captain America movie and even Civil War and Winter Soldier. God, I just did a whole bit. I, I, I binged everything again thanks to this show. It was just great. Well, it was funny to me watching the reaction because I thought that the narrative was very fair to him to show not only you know where he came from and everything but uh, you know and and the fact that he had you know conflicts about his past and you know bad things that he had done and whatnot but also showing the extreme pressure that he was under because that was part of the issue too like when sam wants to talk you know to carly you know like there's there's this whole thing where he's super impatient but that's again because he has this i don't think it was like he just oh i just want to go in and bust people up it was that again he feels like he's under this huge pressure to perform and to live up to this everybody loves captain america thing that he's trying to just get the job done and that's also eating away at him and 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 harming his performance because of that i mean that was part of it though like he was impatient and it wasn't because he wanted to perform. It's because he's a soldier mm. and soldiers don't stand around and talk to their enemies to try to resolve and come to a peaceful conclusion. A soldier sees an enemy and shoots them. So it, like in most cases, so like the, again, that's you know, part of the, of course he makes sense for the government to be their choice to pick up the mantle of captain America. He is, according to the the fiction the most decorated soldier who has ever lived mm-hmm. so uh, he would be the most logical choice to fill this role um i i love the character of john walker and i love that they presented us with a uh, a hero a villain that we could actually relate to and kind of feel for mm-hmm. and be disgusted by um and root for his redemption at the end I don't like where they left us (laughs) Um, because I think it is important to show that he is redeemable. To me, it overstepped that line by having him be tacitly redeemed by Sam and Bucky. Yeah. Where they nod to him and let him just go, let, let him just walk off. They nod to him in approval of a job well done. And he goes, I think it would have been more effective if he, saves the the people on the truck and he himself goes um or you know doesn't have that interaction with sam and bucky um because i don't think that he has earned that redemption with those two yet Um, i I don't think that was what they were doing he wasn't a bad guy to start with and if you watch the final scene where he's prancing around in his new uniform he doesn't that's not somebody who's like mortified and dealing with their guilt he doesn't think he did anything wrong i don't think that they have started his redemption arc because he doesn't accept he needs it at all and frankly what's bucky gonna do like what bucky bucky's like thanks for saving some dudes like what's he gonna be like oh you sucked before like (laughs) bucky has no standing basically first i i would agree that bucky has all the standing because he's a better person but bucky (laughs) in in the place that he is has no standing to make judgments on what walker has done and that's not sam either so i just i don't think the show is trying to redeem him right now he 
he doesn't <laughs> think he needs it. And and maybe down the road he will. But I don't think that was part of this season. I mean, I, you're right that we don't see the remorse, but we see that he could have made the same mistake and he chose not to. So I think that that is the start of the redemption story, but I do not feel that he has been redeemed. He still hasn't told the family the truth about what happened. Right. And that's the thing. So, yeah, He hasn't even gone. Yeah. He's gone. Hasn't gone through the path of amends at all. Right. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot more to go with him. I agree with that, but I do think that that was them trying to show that he's not like someone who is just going to keep like spiraling out or he doesn't necessarily need to keep spiraling out yeah. of control that there is a possibility that he could be redeemed. I just, for me, I felt like that acknowledgement from, from Sam and Bucky, just uh, like it, I don't think that he earned that even through mm-hmm. the act that he does. That, that was my particular issue with where Walker gets left off. Um, otherwise, I mean, and I, I fully also understand that there was a lot of Walker stuff that had to get changed because of, covid and and shooting around that like you can tell that they had that one set in congress that they had julia louis dreyfus for and they were going to get all that stuff shot there because it doesn't make any sense whatsoever that that's where he goes back to meet with the contessa at Mm -hmm. and changes into the new suit there like that that would never have happened there if they had another location right um yeah. Uh, oh crap! I had something to say about Walker, but I forgot. But that's okay. We can we can move. <laughs> we can move on. Um, so uh, so Zemo on the internet for being good at their jobs. Ah, <laughs> oh, that drives me nuts. He was so good in that role. Like I I bought I bought that he was an arrogant jackass. I bought the moments that he was humble. And doubting himself, I I bought all of it. He was so good in that role. Mm. No, yeah, God, yeah, and and yeah, it's it's hilarious to me. Just oh, he's not Steve, and he's Captain America. I'm like, like first of all, okay, even knowing nothing about the comics, do you really think Marvel's gonna make this guy the next Captain America is a permanent thing? Don't you think the fact that he's introduced in episode one of a series called Captain or that's called Falcon of the Winter Soldier might be indicative that there's an arc going on that maybe that there's going to be something where Sam eventually accepts this thing that he rejects him? I mean, I don't know. It's just just like. <laughs> storytelling like 101 I, I don't know i i just i just thought it was funny that people thought he was going to be the captain america and were so angry about it um oh, i always man. that always makes me just as a spiteful person be like man i wish marvel would have just left the series with walker still being <laughs> captain america somewhere just to piss those people off as my eldest says tra la 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 anyway <laughs> um <laughs> So, <laughs> all right, so let's talk about Zemo because that was another returning character. I am so happy they didn't kill him off in Civil War because yeah. we can continue to use him. They didn't kill him off in this series either. And again, I was I was fascinated to see like where, where they were going to go with him. Um, I think it's interesting that of all people, the Wakandans decided to put him on the raft because I'm like of of. Why would the Wakandans of all people think like, yeah, let's turn him over to the raft as a place and let's put him in touch with other supervillains because that's a really great place for him to be. Yeah, no one has ever broken out of the raft. 
has thunderbolts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I am. I, I mean, I see the seeds that Marvel is putting down here, and I know where this is going again. But I just found it because, like, I thought of all the people who would turn him over to the raft. Like, I figured the Wakandans would just be like, "You're dead." No, you're gonna. Well, you're gonna take you to rot. justice. It's gonna be in Wakanda. You know? Yeah, you're gonna rot in one of our prisons. Good luck. <laughs> right, because <laughs> they've never shown trust of like what people like in Western civilization will do with anything. So it's just like, you know, uh, I don't know, but um, and and it doesn't. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, that aside thoughts on Zemo and his usage in the series. Um, let's go back to you first, Mike. This in my eye, this redeemed Marvel so high for me that the fact that this is Zemo, because I remember when Civil War started, it's like, this is Zemo? He doesn't even have a mask. He's a soldier. He's not even a baron. Who is this guy? Did, did, you, and, did you squee when he put on the mask and had the coat? Yeah, yes. I, oh, my God. I saw the mask. He put it on. I'm like, yes. God, it was so much. I yelled and almost woke up the neighbors. But yeah, it was like. Yeah, my yeah. wife had no idea why I was so excited. Like, she was like, right? that looks awful. And I'm like, no, it's amazing. He had the uh, trench coat. My- he had the mask. He's like, don't. Oh, I'm a baron in my country. You know, <laughs> yeah, was my country. I'm like, oh, he's even a baron? <laughs> what kind of baron goes off to the military? A good baron. That's who. A baron who lives in a country with compulsory military service. <laughs> yeah yeah and I, and again uh i feel marvel still in my eyes still screwed up with the whole Sav- savokian accords thing but we're, we're we are doubling down on it with marvel and they're going with it they're it's still there and this is the zemo that so what we got in civil war respect what we got in the show just like little great sprinkles on this amazing ice cream just over the top really engaging and you honestly couldn't tell if he was really a villain or a hero really just right there in the middle like he has his own agenda and i like that he is purposely on his agenda he knows what he's not here to kill people he's just here to stop the super soldier program Mm-hmm. That's that's the true enemy. Not even America is the enemy. The super soldier program is the enemy. And that's just his goal. Do you know what the best part is, Mike? Huh. Zemo's right. <laughs> that's what the best part is. As long as there are people with superpowers, the conflicts and the damage will just escalate. And like, you know, there will be worse and worse bad, you know, things that happen. It's just inevitable. So I mean, as far as that's concerned, Zemo's completely right. Oh, is Batman? I don't. I, he's Batman. He's not even a villain. I don't. He's he's a hundred percent right. He's a rich guy with a badass butler. He's totally right. That was the best part. I want to be like hashtag Zemo did nothing wrong, but he did murder the king of Wakanda. So I guess right. he did at least do one thing wrong. But right. after that. He made a series of solid choices. Batman in his own mind. (laughs) But but yeah, that that ending scene where the butler takes out the remaining super soldiers with the bomb. It's like, oh my God. So Zemo, 
from that's why he didn't care at the end he knew it was all going to be taken care of because it was like he was like you can kill me now it's it's fine you know like and then they put him in prison but it's like so zemo already had the plans in place was already taking care of business so that you know things would work out the way that he wanted them to and it was just like oh my god that is like literally the best and that's why i know that like yeah the raft is not an end for zemo that's going to be a recruitment center so, you know, I think I think next time we see Zemo, it is going to be with his own team, most likely the Thunderbolts. Um, but, you know, they might do Masters of Evil, maybe. Probably call them something different. But... Um, see, I thought the Contessa <laughs> was putting together the Thunderbolts, but, I mean, they could work together to do it. That's true. Oh, the, oh do you think that's what that is? I, that's what I thought, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because I'm I'm old school Thunderbolts. I'm 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 like the first like thirteen issues Thunderbolts is what I read. So like that that's Zemo's like whole like I, I have a superhero team and and we're we're these all these fresh faces you've never seen before and that's because they've just put on different costumes. You want fixer? You, you want to find fixer? Uh, Mike, you were squeeing about uh, Zemo putting on the mask. I was squeeing over when Julia Louis Dreyfus shows up in full on Madame Hydra's outfit, and I was like, no. <laughs> I that was my that was my pop was for her. Okay, so so this is again me being disconnected from comics right? for twenty years. And what horrible horrible storytelling is Val now a bad person in the comics? Like <laughs> that was one of the things that really pissed me off that they've they've okay. turned her into a villain. I mean, she was she was Madame Hydra for a while. Yeah, no, I mean she was always a shield agent for everything that I've ever read, and that that makes me mad that they've turned. Well, into you, a... you know that shield agents have like a fifty-fifty chance of being secret Hydra. Like, <laughs> well, in the MCU, <laughs> yes, yes, <laughs> just flip not a so coin. bad in the comics, but um, you, you know, uh, but 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 you know, and and this is one of the things that I mentioned on Facebook after I watched the show, though. That's true. Generally, Marvel's good about casting. I thought she was awful awful like literally everything oh. she said was like she thought she was funny but was actually not and i was just like oh my god like everything you are saying is painful like why it was like you're playing elaine from seinfeld in an mcu movie why yeah i just uh i i didn't i mean beyond the fact that they made her a villain i i was just the character a villain i just that performance i don't know what she was trying to do but it was just See, Ugh, I knew was... her from the comics as a villain, and I I liked her performance just no. fine. I don't know. I mean, what do you think, Angie? Like, I I found it painful to watch her. No, I, I, I don't like her, but I don't think I'm supposed to. I, I don't. I, she, if she's a contessa, and frankly, I don't. I, comics. I I don't really have any background with Madame Hydra except for Agents of Shield. So yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, Viper is Madame Hydra are, from my but, point of view, so again, I don't know a different Madame Hydra. But, anyway. but if she's if she is a very wealthy noble lady, then she's probably used to acting however the hell she wants, and no one's ever going to tell her no because she's a very wealthy, maybe murderer person. Like I don't, I to me it doesn't bother me. Like she's not somebody I'd want to go have brunch with, but like I don't think i'm supposed to like her i don't think anyone's supposed to like her she acts weird because why wouldn't she no one's gonna make her stop okay <laughs> all right mike what about you i didn't mind her i also didn't know who the character was but yeah same with jd like i saw the alpha i'm like Ooh, are we getting madam hydra i mean we got magic poor are we getting madam hydra and i'm like but it's julia lewis dreyfus <laughs> this isn't i mean 
I don't want to be that guy. But it's like I look at it as uh, for for the age. Like you know, I expected like a little bit younger one to last for a while. But I mean, if we're wanting Julia to do it, and, I, and oh, after see, v- you're acting like she's like the ancient of days, she's probably what in her fifties. She's not that old. I mean, I still count fifty as pretty old in <laughs> movie terms. Uh, because I mean, think about it, though. I mean, well, I mean, but she's not going to be in an action role. Like, I mean, how old was Judy Dench playing M in the Bond movies? I mean, she was like, you know, what your eighties playing M. Also, you know, <laughs> Julia Louis Dreyfus is sixty. Oh, okay, oh older God. than I thought. She, she, she looks, looks good. good. For 60. <laughs> yep. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, it just was. I mean, I. I'm not dismissing Julia at all. It was just a, a surprise mm. that like, oh, Julia's in the MCU now. That was weird. But watching her, and I've watched a lot of seasons of, of Veep. Like, okay, mm. after watching Veep, she could definitely play a villain. Let her play a villain. If she wants to do Madame Hydra, let her do Madame Hydra. I don't know the character. So I am actually in the dark with who Val is and anything around that. I think she's Madame Hydra, but I'm probably going to be wrong. But I'm interested to see exactly where Julia goes with this. Read any comic with Nick Fury before like the year 2000. Yeah, I, I don't know that they're necessarily like turning her into Madame Hydra or, or even using that. Oh, that was right. definitely it might be the, a new name because um, I think they're pretty yeah. done with Hydra. That like, was definitely as, the outfit yeah. was supposed to evoke that because it was very Madame Hydra. But mm. yeah. Um, I think, yeah, I think they were propping her up with her recruitment of Walker as like setting up the Thunderbolts or, or Dark Avengers equivalent of, you know, setting Stop. up that okay, team. Okay. I, I, I don't put my foot down with comic to movie exactness, <laughs> but I refuse to have a Dark Avengers if I don't have Logan's son, if I don't have Green Goblin, like these are, I, I need Sentry. I need staples here. That's where I think Thunderbolts makes a lot more sense because then you create new identities like for existing characters and you can, you can make, you know, you can do different ones than they did in the comics. It doesn't have to be because a lot of, most of the ones in the comics uh, haven't been introduced yet in the MCU. So unless Spider-Man like, uh, Oh, whatever it's called, home whatever, um, has beetle in it, you know, they're not going to have, you know, Mach five or, you know, they're not going to anyway. Anyway, so, um, but yeah, they, they can do their own thing, you know, with, with the Thunderbolts, but I think that that might be what they, what they do with that, but I don't know, we'll see, but anyway, I, I just, again, I thought that she was trying to be funny, and she wasn't funny, and I just was like, get off the screen, because everything you say is so dumb, so colossally dumb, that I just, I just don't want you there. <laughs> I don't know, just one of the characters I, I, you know, a few times characters will give you just that sort of visceral reaction. And that was one that I had, uh, you know, with her on that. But um, all right, let's talk about the Flag Smashers. Well, uh, for Zemo. Um, oh, right. Sorry. That's OK. <laughs> I uh, I just because I I find myself having the hardest time with with Zemo and with Sharon with the show. And I, I, I was like, going to bring up Sharon as, as my other thing that bothered yeah. <laughs> me, uh, but I was going to do that at the end, but that's why we can bring up Sharon now. Well, no, I mean, for Zemo, we'll, we'll, we'll get to Sharon for Zemo. For me, I, I, it was a little jarring that they changed his entire personality over from civil war. Mm. Um, but I, I kind of gave that some slack. I he's had a lot of time for introspection. Legitimately can't tell you what the point of him in this series was. I like I don't I still don't 
really can wrap my head around how he helped that much. And now at least enough for uh, Bucky and Sam or Bucky specifically to risk the wrath of Wakanda to <laughs> break him out of jail and trying to take the moral high road while walking around with a murderer. Um, that like, I don't know that he ever really made that gamble worth it. And at the end, yeah, I mean, he just goes back. Like, I don't know. It just didn't feel like it really had the payoff for me. Um, I liked him. I liked him when he was around. He was a good time. But I felt like he was around for more comic relief purposes than most other things. Mm, I mean, yeah, I get what you're saying. I think it was more. Uh, I think it was more character driven. Um, but, but uh, yeah. So, so, so a few things. One thing, I, I agree with you that he doesn't act exactly the same as he did in Civil War. But he's also been in jail for several years and has had time to. You know, he has a lot of introspection. Right. And so, yeah, I mean, he's, yeah, I think he has changed a little bit because of that. Um, You know, second off, I I certainly think that he's, but still the core is that he's a master manipulator, just like he was in Civil War. And we still have that. And that's the thing. And that's why I was like, my God, this is so dumb when they're talking about breaking him out. It's just like, this is, no, no, because he's going to turn this to his advantage. And of course, that's what he started doing. And and it, it was the unknown factor, just like with Batman, the way you defeat Batman is with an unknown factor. It was the fact that suddenly Wakandan showed up, which is something he couldn't planned for you know I, I actually thought that made bucky's actions make a lot more sense right because if bucky was not surprised when the door Malaja showed up and that makes more sense why he was willing to break him out of prison because he mm-hmm. knew mm-hmm. he knew it doesn't gonna matter right. yeah they're gonna come for him so uh that uh, i actually appreciated i was like all right bucky like i <laughs> you had a play you had a, a backup plan for, for sure. For but, but I think him. I think there's two things here. One, with Marvel, we're not going to be able, either with the movies or with the TV shows, to expect that everything wraps up at the end. So I think that part of the issue is they are setting up putting him on the raft because that's going to pay off later. So I think that that is part of you know part of what's going on here with this series. The second thing is that they needed someone to get their hands dirty with the super soldiers. Sam and Buck, they didn't want those characters hanging around after the end of the series. Sure. So, and Sam and Bucky aren't going to murder them, right? So what's the best way to get rid of them in a way that they're not going to come back ever? Well, okay, Zemo's the guy that's got to, you know, in some way come up with a plan that gets rid of them. So that's that, that was his sort of narrative purpose. Yeah, I get the impression that rewrites affected this quite a bit yeah. because I... I don't have any proof, but I will go down with the ship saying I don't think Sharon was originally supposed to be the power broker. I agree and with that. If she's not having them get to Madripoor, having them get to all these places, if Sharon's the power broker, you can kind of deus ex them everywhere they need to be. But if she wasn't originally, you need Zemo to get the intel to get them to these places. So I think that makes more sense. And I think the rewrites of Sharon actually kind of ruined his purpose for being there. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, it's one of those things where I'm like, I enjoyed it when you were there, so I forgive them. <laughs> I look, I I definitely understand that. I think that's a huge deal for them to just 
put in for a rewrite, but we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm, that makes me curious if they actually changed her completely for a rewrite. I mean, they, they legitimately changed a lot on this show. I, I do know that there were rewrites because of COVID that, that they weren't, they, and there was going to be like a virus story in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. And, a pandemic. and there, right, there right. are still like hints of it still that, that didn't get cut. Like, um, I think the flag smashers steal like a truck of vaccines. Like there are still mm. hints of a bioterrorism plot that definitely got dropped. But uh, there were things about the Walker storyline that got changed. Zemo got changed. Um, and I, I agree with you. I don't think Sharon was originally supposed to be the power broker because if she was, uh, that was not handled well. <laughs> okay, well, we're, we're gonna we're gonna get back to that, but right now I want to yes. talk about the flag smashers because so flag smasher in the comics is a ridiculous character. He's a singular character. He is he is he's got an awful costume, and it's this whole idea that you know nations are evil and we should all you know be you know one nation, whatever. And however you feel about that, he's just this bad guy that commits terrorist acts and in, in you know in aid of that is his goal and. Um, so, you know, here we have like an actual group. They are the flag smashers, you know, it's not just one guy and they built in this whole backstory of it's because of the snap. Everything was that, you know, Thanos's dream, you know, of, you know, at least for some time, you know, things will get better if you wipe out half the population was actually happening. It was better for people. They were able to, you know, have jobs, you know, people who had been, you know, jobless before and, you know, people had homes and everything. And they were able to, you know, all the extra resources being available for everybody was, was, you know, helpful. Now things, now once everybody's returned, it's like, oh, we're going to push everybody back you know, into, into your roles you were before, you know, regardless of, of anything that's happened since. And people were understandably very upset about that. And so, so I thought that that created a lot more nuance and in, you know, around the idea of, of the flag smasher idea, even though it's the same idea. So um, Angie, what did you think about the flag smashers, you know, and how they were, you know, sort of depicted both as an organization and of course with Carly as the, as the main, you know, character. Yeah, I, I mean, in essence, I see the appeal, right? I think that they added a really relatable purpose to this group, and you can see why it's pervasive. You can see why people would join up and, and kind of link up with the group. My problem with the Flag Smashers, and, and this I kind of, you know, I, I want to give them the benefit of the doubt due to some rewrites, but they didn't give us time to find them relatable before they just turned into terrorists, mm. right? Carly blew up those people in like what, episode two. Like it, it's, you d- you can see all her friends are horrified by what she's done, right? Like she's obviously gone too far already, but we did not have enough time to like them before they just became kind of one note villains. And to me, it's really obvious that the core of this show was the relationship with, with Bucky and Sam and everything else was kind of built around that. You know, and and in some cases, like with Zemo, I think it, it worked largely. And in some cases, like the the villains in the show, uh, it did not work. Uh, they were 
they, they were given something relatable to start with and then it was immediately abandoned and we were given no other reason to root for them. And frankly, like anybody calling Bucky that's like, you don't understand, excuse me. He's the one <laughs> who never, understands. Yeah, Shut up. You've never Stupid fought for teenager. something bigger than yourself. I have exclusively <laughs> fought for things bigger than myself. Thank you very much. <laughs> Yeah. So I, I, then that's really for me where this show fell flat. The, the, the antagonists who were not the actual villains were amazing and they were a joy to watch the villains. I didn't feel for them. And Carly met the fact that I wasn't rolling my eyes every time she popped up on the screen is because the actress is really likable, but she, even she couldn't save it. I mean, she's a very good actress. Mm-hmm. And you're right. She was not given a lot to work with. <laughs> uh, I have to agree with a lot of what you said. The The initial pitch with the Flag Smashers, uh, I think, worked on me a little bit better. Because um, I, I liked having that push and pull um, between, like, like, when the ind- other individual members are horrified at what Carly is doing and is becoming, like... That was that was an instance where I I honestly was like, man, Marvel is really doing themselves a disservice trying to pack this into six episodes. Mm-hmm. Like no one's making them do this. They can make it nine episodes if they want. Why why are they limiting themselves like this? Because they want to do different this? series. <laughs> they could still do that. <laughs> well, I know, but it would take longer to get. The, they're trying to do more with more characters in less time. I think Marvel. It'll be okay. You can overlap your shows. It'll be okay. I'll watch Loki on Wednesday and Falsol on Sunday or Friday. It's fine. Um, but yeah, uh, when and I thought the the conversation that Sam has with Carly is a real high point. Um, that I you know I think showing Sam empathizing with her struggle and her goals. Um, I think was important because again, like what they're fighting for is not, you know, in, in the world that is taking place there um, and what's being done to those people, I think is their, their plight is very valid to fight against. Um, And I did strongly relate to that with Carly, but exactly like Angie said, they just could not have her be complicated like that. They just kept driving her down the road towards like mustache twirling villain terrorist lady. And yeah, it. I think they would have done a much better job keeping her ambiguous. It was um, really funny because my wife turned to me, literally, my wife turned to me and said, you know, it's really fascinating how they gave us a villain who isn't really like a bad person. And then the building like catches on fire. Yeah. Like, like, so it's they, like, uh, oh. Well, never, now, now actually they are a bad person. Um, <laughs> I, honestly, like halfway through the show, because for me, the, the first episode and the last episode are the weak spots for me, the middle, mm. the middle set is where the show was the strongest for me. And yeah, about halfway through the show, I was like, this is a really interesting villain. I like, I think the show is building towards Sam, like, you know, talking her down because mm-hmm. that was such a big thing where Sam goes to talk to her. Like, I think, you know, everyone keeps saying like the only way that this can resolve is if she is dead. And I thought it was going to be important for Sam to show them like, no, that's not how this is going to end and have Carly kind of come around and no, 
no, she just gets to stay a villain and then get shot. And then that's the end of Carly. I'm like, that was a real big missed opportunity. No. All right, Mike, what do you think about the Flag Smashers? Uh, I just want to point out, because I had it, because when you mentioned the costume, I'm like, I don't remember this costume, and <laughs> Googled Flag Smasher, and it seems like it, the guy from the comics is named Carl Morgenthau. I'm like, Carly? Oh, Marvel, you're clever. <laughs> you did the bare minimum work, Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> the costume's atrocious, isn't it, Mike? Well, I mean, it's just, it's weird. <laughs> just, I mean, it's just a simple leotard, white, black with a red undercoat of the cape. It's weird. I'm uh, pretty sure Wizard listed it as like one of their, their worst costumes of all time. <laughs> wow. Uh, but the Flag Smashers having that that terrorist group or, or even uh, rebellion group, depending on what side you're on. Uh, I like the idea of it. Um, mm. I will agree that they were a bit hit and miss. She definitely went too uh, aggressive, way a little way too fast. Uh, a little, a little too aggressive. You blew up buildings full of people. It's fine. Yeah, you know, it's just, just wow. That oh, <laughs> this is what we went with. All right, that escalated <laughs> quickly. <Yeah>. Yes. <laughs> uh, the idea. I, I will say this: the the whole Thanos snap bringing people back. Mm-hmm. the before and we didn't really get to understand what happened during the five years when everyone snapped apparently the world came together borders were opened up and now everybody came back borders closed down again and all these people are misplaced if there was ever a time for this idea of the flag of flag smasher and it made it into this group that is just some damn well writing and it within the universe that they're in I like that the Flag Smasher wasn't just this one guy. Instead, if it was an it was an actual ideal, it right? Ideal. It was a movement, yeah. and they even said that, like you know, beyond those of them who are super soldiers, there's a lot more people who are part of this movement and are part of this. You know, it's just that you know, some there was only so many serums to go around, and and you know, they were they were at least wise and not just using all of them up right away. No, I mean, obviously it turned out not to be wise because then they got smashed, but she was, you know, <laughs> thinking about like the fact that, you know, yeah, we have to give these to people who, you know, that we can trust and everything. So, um, yeah, it's, I, I think just even the idea, uh, it's the flag smashers are still kind of just a underground thing. If we still see them around, I'm okay with it. I think that would definitely be the, if anything, Sam Wilson's, his own Hydra in a sense yeah. uh, to have his own little group of fanatics that he has to deal with almost on a daily basis. Uh, I'm certainly okay with it. Uh, or, or maybe but, even Torres when they do the inevitable like new Falcon series on yeah. Disney plus, you know, that could be something that he's, you know, handling is, is going after, you know, the, the flag smasher group. Yeah, so definitely how Marvel changed it from being a one guy to this terrorist group and even setting it into the world. Because I, I didn't know Flag Smasher was an R.A. character. I thought it was just a great name within the world they created and seeing it, who this guy is, like anti-nationalist, supervillain, like, oh, well, this has actually worked out pretty damn well. Right, yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It's another thing because, you know, again, I mean, I, I was kind of thinking like, you know, Marvel's because, you know, Spider-Man uh, Far From Home sort of treated the snap like a joke. Right. They, they, they told a few jokes about it and it was kind of like hand wave, like everything's back to normal now. Yay. You know, kind of thing. 
And so I thought that was just Marvel was going to be like, yeah, when, when the next movie, we're not even going to mention the snap. We're just going to pretend it never happened. And I've been very glad that both WandaVision and now especially more with Falcon and Winter Soldier has really dealt with the idea of, you know, the ramifications of all of that. You know, that's what I wanted because I because I said the end game was too easy. It was too easy. Up, oh, we snap everybody's back now. And I was bringing up all the issues. It's like you have a world that the infrastructure is no longer there to sustain the population. And then you just brought them back, you know, and that's going to cause all kinds of problems. It's going to cause wars when like new regimes have taken over in countries because the old like people were snapped away. And then the the, the old ones come back and stuff like that. And they're dealing with that in, in Falcon and Winter Soldier. They're talking about it. They're talking about all this stuff. And so I was really happy just on that level from a narrative level that I feel like Marvel is doing why it's they're making wise decisions about showing us the world and how the world is progressing and the problems that come from that. I'm pretty sure Ronan killed all the new regimes. So that's probably not an issue. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, what? Yes. The uh, WandaVision also like WandaVision's take on the blip was showing the trauma of it. Mm hmm. Um, because it, 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 that show, obviously like its main theme is how people deal with trauma mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, that scene of people being undusted was traumatic. Um, and definitely for Monica. Um, whereas yeah. this show was like, all right, well, that was that take on it. Now we're going to discuss some of the socio-political ramifications of the blip. Well, they're not and exclusive. What I like about these no, but what I like about these shows and what they're starting to do is they're treating the blip like the Netflix shows and some of the Marvel movies right after Avengers treated the Battle of New York, mm -hmm. where like you are starting to see how that big bombastic comic book superhero battle had effects on people mm -hmm. around it. And and you're starting to get that with the blip now. Um, and I... I really applaud them for digging into that. The Marvel shows are definitely the time to do it mm -hmm. um, where they can give that stuff some air. And I hope they continue. Well, yeah. And that was the, like when we talked about far from home, that was one of the points that Angie brought out was like, I don't want them to bog down a movie with that kind of stuff. And so with, yeah. you know, with, with, with them having series and having a lot more runtime because it's a series, even with only six episodes, you know, there's a lot more than a movie that would just be two and a half hours. Um, so, you know, they, they can get into more of that. And so, yeah, I think that that's great. And I expect uh, even if Loki doesn't touch on the blip per se, I, I feel like Hawkeye, is probably going to go heavy into Hawkeye. the blip territory also. So I think we're still getting it. Um, so yeah, you want to talk about people that were traumatized by the blip? <laughs> we can spend some time with Hawkeye. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, so yeah, all right. I want to talk about Sharon now. Um, uh, JD's kind of uh, already talked a little <laughs> bit about it. I am extremely bothered. I am extremely bothered. I mean, I get that she's, you know, that, that the way things have gone, she's not Steve's girlfriend, you know, and all that kind of stuff, like from what I know from the comics. But I still feel like she was, I mean, she's a Carter, first of all. And, you know, she was a good S.H.I.E.L.D. agent. She wasn't a Hydra agent. And I felt like just having her be the power broker, having her be the villain, even though I saw it coming from like three episodes out, I was like, oh God, they're making it Sharon. 
And like when, when the convenient bullet shot takes out the person and then Sharon shows up, I'm like, she's the one who knew, like the power broker knew they were there. This has all been manipulation. It's Sharon. And so here's the thing. For years, I have laughed at people because it's, it's literally been going on for like four or five years that people have been like, secret invasion, secret invasion, like all the Avengers who are blipped away are going to turn out to be scrolls, secret invasion. And I laughed at them because, you know, I was like, Psst, that's not what they're doing. They're not going to do any crap like that. And of course, with, with Infinity War and, and, and Endgame, they didn't because like I thought at the time, that would be just foolish because that, you know, why, why would you even do that? What would be the narrative point? We know Secret Invasion is coming now because they've at, you know, that's a Disney Plus series. Um, so, so we know that's coming. I'm, I'm calling it right now. I, I know that it, it, I've been laughing at people saying that characters are scrolls before. Sharon Carter is a scroll. It's the only way I'm going to accept that, that they've done this turn is she is an imposter. That is not the real Sharon Carter. And in the Secret Invasion series, they will liberate the real Sharon Carter. And, and that's, that's how we're going to go with this. I actually will be very disappointed if they undo that and make her a scroll. <laughs> oh, wait, you were just saying you hated it. <laughs> I do, because the fact that she is the power broker, the mechanics of her and her plan are dumb. They make no sense. She is do actively Do we really know fighting. what her plan is? No. She told but, us her evil plan at the end, right outside yeah. the doors. On well, her then she's going to have she access to stuff, but we don't know exactly what it's <laughs> but, all in aid like, of. Her plan during the show makes no sense she is constantly fighting against her own best interests if she's the power broker the whole time so like that part of it is what bothers me i understand why she would decide to break bad i'm actually okay with that i think that's interesting the fact that you know she was trying to help the the avengers these heroes and she is the only one that saw lasting consequences from it and why she would be disillusioned about that and angry about that. I'm I'm cool with that. That's actually a pretty compelling heel turn reason for me. Um, which is why I'll, I'll be a little disappointed if they undercut that and just be like, oh, no, she was an alien the whole time. But um, it's it's just what she's doing during the show makes no well, I'm, I'm curious sense. because I thought she got exactly what she wanted during the show. She set up a situation that would allow her to then be pardoned. She winds up getting exactly what she wants at the end with getting pardoned. But like if she wanted the super super serum, what she claims she does in the power broker guys for most of the show, like that's the reason she's pissed off at Carly. Um, why does she assist? leading people to her own scientist that's working on the serum. Yeah, but she also is going to get access to way, way more than just the super soldier serum. I mean, just like in chess, you sometimes sacrifice a piece to get greater gains. I, I'm not sure that that wasn't, I mean, to me, that all made sense. What was going on? She wants access to all the tech and all the other super powered research and, you know, serums and everything else that's out there. All the old shield stuff. I kind of agree with JD, but I, I think rather than it being secret war, the only way I can forgive this is if she's like a triple agent at this point, because that makes that's the sense. Other theory right? I've heard. She wants to save Bucky and Sam but she is also the power broker. Like that makes more sense to me that she's essentially double crossing everybody. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why she has her mustache twirling at the end. Cause like, 
my, I don't actually have a problem with Sharon being a villain. I have a problem with her being bad at it, which is kind of how yeah. she's presented right in this mm-hmm. series. And I am not okay with it. So what? the only way I'm okay is if she's double crossing someone else. See, interesting. Because I never got that she was bad at it. I thought that every time she was pretending to be good was an aid, you know, was was to further her Hello, goals rather evil than evil associate. I have yes. just left the Senate building. Why would you Let have that tell you about my evil? <laughs> All right. Well, though, you're right. That that was dumb, but that's just that like TV, there? right? Like they're always doing stuff like that and just the trusting that there's no recording devices no, or at anything. At least show her getting in a car first. That's all you had to do to make that scene be okay. Get in a car. Hydra has, like we've seen Hydra villains in high up government positions have all kinds of conversations in cars that are implicating, like get in a car. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like if she's a triple agent and it's actually like working for Fury or something and is like super deep cover, I uh, I don't know. I see to me that actually is more painful because it means that like, oh, so she was willing to like cause, you know, like all these horrible terrorist activities, but she's really a good guy, you know, like I don't know. I I I I mm. I didn't say good guy. I just said triple insurance. <laughs> well, yeah, then who's the triple? That would be like she's working for Fury or something. Like, <laughs> she's pretending to work for Fury doesn't quote. make you a good person. Yeah, I don't know if you've read the comics a lot, but Fury's not necessarily a good person all the time. <laughs> working for the good guys. <laughs> Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I yeah, I, I'm fine with it. That's what I want. I want her to be a scroll. So you can all hate me. It's fine. But that's what I, that's what I want because Sharon Carter is he. Because that's the thing. MCU changes a lot of details, but usually they're good about keeping the core of a character. Like heroes don't. You know they don't. They don't portray heroes as villains or villains as heroes. You know, like it's they've still got the core of the character from the characters from the comics. And like Sharon Carter, there's no part of that you know where she would be a villain so that's i don't know it just feels like that's a complete change and that i don't know i don't like that um it'd be like doing a series of superman where lois lane is the villain you know i mean i like i think changing up characters like that can be interesting if it's done well it's just exactly like angie said why is she so bad at her job (laughs) if she's being evil she is peggy carter's niece niece great niece yeah great niece Great niece. She is related to Peggy Carter. She shouldn't, she should be hyper competent, is what she should be. Maybe a little too distracted by her emotions, but not bad at her job. And I, I also like when the government was like the Carter name has always been synonymous with service. And like there are a lot of people with the last name Carter in right. the States. I it's don't a very think that's common last name. True. <laughs> well, and the thing is, like, but yeah, she was service, but like for the British also, government, like, right? Oh, I'm sorry, all one of them, the person who was not a U.S. citizen. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so, um, all right. So, obviously, there's. I mean, even with the six episode series, there's so much more we could talk about. So much more we could get into. You know, like, but we just don't have the time. Um, so as we, you know, so we're going to do our, um, you know, sort of like anything we want to see out of Captain America 4 or a potential Captain America and the Winter Soldier series, you know, maybe down the line. And then also if there are any, if there's a shout out that you want to give to some aspect of the series or to a character we didn't mention, you know, do that there. So um, let's start with you this time, JD. And uh, and so yeah, just uh, 
you know, anything you want to see moving forward with the characters from this? And if there are any shout outs that you want to give to something you wanted to mention, but we didn't get to. Well, I, uh, I am excited about the fact that um, we are getting a, a cat movie that is focused on Sam. Uh, I think that is important and that is a good thing to see. I do wish they were having somebody other than Falcon and winter soldier showrunner doing it. Mm. Cause I, yeah, there, I, still come away from the show with too many problems. And I felt like one of those problems was pacing. And I don't know how truncating that time that they have to tell a story is going to help. It might, I could be wrong. Well, and also if it was the pandemic that caused the problems with the pacing, I mean, maybe that that's all that that was. I mean, I'm definitely, look, I'm going to give them a chance. I'll be there on opening weekend. I'm excited for it. I, I definitely want to see, uh, you know, more of Sam's story and I want a movie to show how he like we've seen him grow into being willing to take on the mantle. Now I want him to be able to grow into his own image of what that means for him, you know, be like, make sure that he's not stuck in a shadow. That's mm-hmm. kind of the track that I want to see them go with it. Um, huh. Uh, I, would just like to give a shout out to probably my favorite performance of the show, which was John Walker's chin uh-huh. uh, and jawline. Uh, just, just outstanding work on its part. That is thanks to the Russell brand. <laughs> yes, exactly. Do you think they deliberately wanted him to look like the guy from up by how they did the costume and everything? Or do you think that that was just a, just an accident? That was so weird, right? <laughs> there was an entire blog about, um, about his costume and the, uh, the design choices that were made with it. That, uh, is fascinating. And they do talk yeah. about that specific to the design of the helmet, the design of his, uh, his, his, um, uh, chest piece and the asymmetry of it and stuff. It's actually really fascinating. I don't rem- I don't remember where I read it or I'd give it a shout out, but it's good. As much as I love at look, as as much as I love the classic, like the the Sam Wilson Captain America, the Captain Falcon outfit, as much as I love it in the comics, boy, that half cow doesn't look great live action. So <laughs> there is a hope because what they've done in the past is you know, the first outing, you get the character in their most like iconic comic Mm. costume and then the next time you see them that costume is updated a little bit that's what i'm hoping we lose in the update is the cow yeah a lot of people are also talking about how a flying character having their head the top of their head exposed isn't necessarily not great not the best (laughs) right from a logical standpoint (laughs) there's also the the casting crew have talked about how problematic it was because it wouldn't stay up so I think you're 100% right. I think we had the comics accurate costume here in the show and now we're done with it. And by the time the movie comes out, it will be something a little more sensical. Yeah. Okay. And so Angie, um, what what would you like to see moving forward? And uh, was there anything you wanted to talk about that we haven't? Um, no, I was going to comment on the costume too. So I agree with JD. Um, it's, it's always good to see the comic. Like I really loved that caps uso outfit made an appearance but i was real glad when he ditched it yeah Um, so there's that um i love the fact that they uh integrated some of anthony mackie's background into sam wilson um kind of changed his origins a little bit um i think that 
just does wonders to to flesh out the character and make it different for the love of God. Everyone is from New York. Just right. The fact that it wasn't New York, like it didn't even have to be New Orleans. The fact that it wasn't New York was great. Uh-huh. Um, and I love his, I love his family. I love his family. And now I'm not a shipper. I have commented before. I kind of generally despise watching love anything on my television screen, but I love <laughs> Bucky and Sarah. I think they are. Yeah the end game i was actually really afraid they were going to have sharon be bucky's love interest and i was like why does she keep having to date yeah. the world war ii soldiers i don't understand <laughs> so how do you feel I'm, about well boats. you're the next best thing yeah. after steve so i guess you'll do <laughs> um yeah in fact i i i've seen the meme and it's a huge joke about the winter soldier and the summer soldier and the summer soldier is bucky with his sunglasses holding that cake (laughs) 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 but i you know it's dumb but i love it i think more than anything else that really shows his healing and that you know he started the series feeling lost and bereft because the shield was his only family left and then by the end he just has this community he doesn't i mean you know he at the restaurant you know he's got the the gloves on he won't tell anybody that he even like not even like i have a prosthetic like not even nothing just like oh i he'd made some lame excuse so the fact that he's there in new orleans like helping restore a boat he's got his arm out there everybody you know he's himself he's his genuine self and i i thought all of that stuff was worth the entire ride yeah all right mike so and I'm so sorry for this because this actually comes right off of me watching Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter last night. <laughs> okay. uh, I need right. Captain America 4 to introduce Dracula and Sam Wilson understanding that his ancestor worked side by side with Abraham Lincoln to kill vampires and he was destined to do this. <laughs> well, you know, the Blade movie is coming at some point too. So they could they could introduce Dracula and Captain America to have him show up in Blade. You never know. <laughs> yeah, it was just funny watching. Watch, I wanted to watch it because I didn't remember how well it was. I only remember the ending. And then here comes Anthony Mackie. I'm like, oh, Sam Wilson? Captain America? He kills vampires. It's great. I'm telling you, you should go back just, like, and rewatch. The whole thing. <laughs> You should go back um, and watch uh, Hurt Locker if you've not seen it or haven't seen it in a while. I, know, I never actually saw it. It's, I mean, it's him and Jeremy Renner in it, and they're both fantastic. Oh, then there we go right there. Hawkeye was already doing cool stuff. Um, yeah, Captain America 4, I don't have much of expectation. I'm not, I'm not familiar with uh, Captain America's, uh, basically his rogues gallery, mm-hmm. so I'm not sure what really could come into it. Uh, but either way, I am super excited to see what they do. Uh, I, I am in agreement with the showrunner thing that is kind of weak sauce that he's going to be doing it. But hey, I'm an optimist, so good luck, buddy. High hopes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The bar has kind of been set with the last three cat movies. So yeah, yeah, we had went, we had Winter Soldiers, Civil War. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Um, for- for me, the thing that, that I that I wish we had talked about a little bit more was the bromance between Bucky and Sam because, you know, we talked about their journeys individually. We kind of mentioned they had good chemistry and all that kind of stuff, but, like, they were great. And, they, and you could tell, like, it's sort of like... And, again, they did this great job of portraying, like, these are both people who were great friends with this one person, 
and they both kind of have side eye for the other person, but also kind of like them, but they like ribbing each other. And, you know, that's sort of like, you, so you saw both sides of it, right? You could tell when they were enjoying, like, sort of picking on each other. And you could also tell the times when, you know, like you would, like, like you you have, like, a serious disagreement. And you're kind of angry at the other person. And, and you know, and, and a little bit of jealousy mixed in there, too, of the relationship that they had with, with your really good friend. And so they had all that dynamic in there. And it was so well portrayed by both of them. Like, like you didn't. You didn't see two actors. You saw you saw these two people, and it was completely like believable that this was the relationship. And I really loved that, and I thought that it was you know just just perfect. So um, yeah, I would definitely like for them, you know, because people have said like, can there be another season? And I doubt they'll call it Falcon and the Winter Soldier unless they decide that Anthony Mackie isn't going to be in it and they'll replace him with Torres. They'll probably call it Captain America and the Winter Soldier. But yeah, I, I mean, in between this and, and Captain America four. If they can squeeze that in, if, if Anthony Mackie has the bandwidth, then yeah, definitely do another season. Um, you know, I'm sure there are more stories you can tell with them because I like the two of them being together also. Um, and I don't feel like Captain America Ford needs to necessarily also have Bucky, although that's possible too. But you can do this as its own, you know, series and then also have a Captain America Four separate. So I also think you could do a new Bucky, like a new Winter Soldier series without right. Sam in it. And I think that would be interesting territory to cover. Mm -hmm. No, I agree with that too. So like maybe like do another like Captain America Winter Soldier, then maybe have a movie, Captain America 4 with with Sam without Bucky and then do another Disney series that's Bucky without Sam or something. Mm -hmm. Any any of that, just keep using them. And like JD said, you can overlap series. It's fine. (laughs) It'll be okay. We'll watch all of them. (laughs) Just more Marvel on my screen is a good thing um but uh but yeah so that's sort of like my uh you know what i want going forward i don't have a whole lot of specifics about it but i'm just you know keep keep doing this but you can also use the characters separately um and sharon carter is a scroll <laughs> all right so <laughs> all right so let's say our goodbyes now let people know where they can find us online um so mike say your goodbyes and let people know where they can find you uh, goodbye, Aaron Webbs. Uh, you can find me over on Twitter at this is Trex. Uh, definitely gone silent for a little bit just because of my workload. It's insane and I don't sleep anymore. Uh, but I, mean, I still post here and there and talk video game stuff. All right. Yeah. How did, how did you learn the secret of not being able to sleep, Mike? Because I need that. Um, well, I don't drink coffee. So I just crash on Sundays. Sundays is my oh. like eight to 10 hour a day. Oh, I see. So you're like a sleep camel. You just store <laughs> up the need for sleep and then like eventually it just like comes and gets yeah. you. Okay. All right. <laughs> Angie, you say goodbye. Let people know where they can find you. Uh, yeah, I don't really maintain a social media presence. So uh, I did get drunk one evening and buy a bunch of wigs off of Amazon. So I... I will be cosplaying again soon. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, cons kind of pick up again. Um, I'm looking to head back to the East Coast sooner than later and and hit up all my old haunts back there and finally make the trek to Dragon Con. So yeah, but until then, just here. You can just find me here. All right. Yes, you remain our 42 cast exclusive. I do, 
All right. And JD, it was good having you on the show. And um, why don't you say goodbye and let people know where they can find you? It was nice being here. Uh, you can find me online at JD Jackson on Twitter. Uh, and you can listen to my podcast at level seven access pod uh, is our Twitter address. And we generally post something once a week, especially when Marvel shows are actually happening. Um, the end. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, Mike, Angie, and JD, thank you so much for being on the episode. Thank you. And that's it for our Falcon and Winter Soldier episode. We hope that you enjoyed it and you can let us know in a variety of different ways. One way is to email us at everything at 42cast.com. Another way is to go to our website at 42cast.com and leave a review on any of the episodes there. You can also go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash 42cast. Or you can tweet to us at 42cast, or you can go to our Instagram, also at 42cast. You can also leave us reviews on Stitcher or Apple Podcasts. With Apple Podcasts, the more reviews that we get, the more that they will promote our show in searches. So definitely, we would appreciate it if you have an Apple account, if you would leave us a review there if you haven't already. I'd also like to let you all know about the ESO Network Patreon. That's a place where you can go to contribute to all the shows on the network. There are different tiers that give you different perks, exclusive episodes, exclusive podcasts, early episodes, all sorts of different things. So you can go there, you can check out the different tiers. And if you have some money to contribute, we would certainly appreciate it because it helps us all run our shows. I'd also like to let you know about two other podcasts that I'm on. One is Time Streams, where my friend Juliet and I are going through all of Doctor Who from the beginning. You don't need to uh, buy the episodes because we explain to you everything that happens in them as we're going along. So if you just want to hear our banter, you can listen to it that way. But if you want to follow along, that will certainly enhance the experience. So just whichever way you want to do it. The other one is Legendary Forces, where Juliet and I again, but also joined by Joe, Ashley, and Corey, are going through all of Star Wars fictional media from the beginning. So that's the movies, TV shows, comics, novels all the various things of Star Wars that actually take place in the Star Wars universe, but not things like fan magazines and stuff like that. So stuff that takes place that's about Star Wars, but doesn't take place in the universe. And basically we go through all of that. We let you know if, uh, you know, what we think of the quality of what it is, whether we enjoyed the stories, but also talking about Star Wars, the idea of Star Wars, how fan perception of Star Wars has changed and grown over time and about the things in the Star Wars universe. So canon, continuity, all of that. So if any of those sound interesting to you, check those out. In other news, Beth and I are still watching the CW shows as of the time of this recording. Snowpiercer just ended. Really would love to do a Snowpiercer episode if I can just find enough people who watch the show to do that episode, but I definitely would enjoy that. And we've been watching The Umbrella Academy on Netflix, which is a show based on a comic that I've never read, but the show is very, very interesting. It basically has all the elements that I loved about Doom Patrol, but is presented in a way that I like a lot more. So Beth and I are really getting into Umbrella Academy. We're really enjoying it, and I can't wait to see how the second season ends. And we've gotten into it about the right time, because the third season is about to come in a couple of months. So that'll be kind of nice. We won't have that much of a gap once we finish the second season before we get to see the third season. And then I'm thinking, because I definitely know a lot of people who have seen the Umbrella Academy, that we probably will do an episode on the first three seasons. Also in con news, I am looking at Fan Expo in Chicago in July as my con for this year, aside from Chicago TARDIS. 
I'm actually trying to get in it as media. So hopefully that will work out. But I uh, just want to let you know that I am planning on being there at Fan Expo. Hopefully I'll be allowed to be there officially so they'll actually get to interview people and stuff like that. But we'll see how all that shakes out. But that's the plan for right now. So I think that brings us to a close this week. Join us back next week when Luke Wilson will not be joining us. And until then, this is Nathan signing off. You have been listening to the 42 cast copyright 2021. Got a question for the ultimate answer? Contact us at everything at 42cast.com. Theme music is Sharper Swords by Brandon Ellis. Check out more of his work at www.cityfires.com. The 42Cast is a proud member of the ESO Network. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek.